Welcome back to another episode of Life in the Urban City Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Hudak. And again, we're joined this month with Eric Vasquez, our Executive Director of Justice for Youth. Um, and so I kind of want to just jump in really quick um, and have this conversation with you, Eric, because we had a, we're meeting with some nonprofit leaders recently, and, and we had some of our own struggles. And we're just talking about like our mistakes, things that, you know, we've done as like, damn, why do we do that? Uh, and now that we look back on it, it's kind of funny. I could just like laugh about it. But in the moment, man, the stresses and the anxieties, uh, it was horrible. It was some sleepless nights knowing it's like, dude, you know, what, what did we just do? What are we, what are we doing? How are we going to survive? Um, how are we going to pay staff? Um, and having these fears. But it, a lot of the times it came from, from our mistakes. Um, so I, I just want you to kind of take it and just like, what were some of the mistakes that you had uh, when it came to justice for youth um, and, and the work that we were doing um, on the nonprofit route? Yeah, man, well, there's a lot. Uh, I, I would like to maybe lead off with this one because um, early on in the game, not knowing my actual worth was mm-hmm. probably one of the biggest ones that hindered our growth, um, especially for like, financial health in the organization and just learning how to count the cost and knowing what services cost what dollar amounts um you know i thank god for somebody like paul who does not think like me i'm more of a visionary type paul is more of a logistics type numbers type operations type and we're a dynamic duo i'd like to say (laughs) um and and he really helped us really uh project and and land on our worth per program, per hour, billable hours. That's a term that CBOs need to become familiar with nonprofits is like, what are billable hours when you're talking about, you know, what does it cost to offer your services? Um, you need to consider that, you know, even, even certain dumb things like certain taxes that you're not necessarily aware of or fully, you know, loading a cost um, that you're offering. Now, some cats that are listening might be in a different context, but it doesn't change the principle. You might be, you know, a faith-based leader, a bivocational leader. I see, you know, like let's just use a church as an example. You know how many times I see churches just ridiculously underpay dope talent? And then what happens is it creates a vacuum for talent. And then kids don't get long-term support from uh, a consistent role model or mentor or leader and it's really damaging to the effort. So knowing your worth is one of the first big things that you want to make sure you don't blow. Um, oh, you want to yeah, talk about Yeah, I was going to say, well, with that, it's also kind of like hiring your friends and working with people that are like you. Because I think a big thing is knowing who you are. Like Eric said, like he's not a numbers guy, so he needed someone around him that worked with the numbers and liked the numbers so that it could create this value and this worth for not just him, but the organization and what we charge. And I, I remember that because we were looking at the numbers. I was like, dude, the more, more we work, the more we lose money. It's like, dude, like this doesn't make any sense. Like why, are, what, what's going on? And we had to sit down and talk about it because even donors, like they want to sh- see that you're making an impact. And if you don't know how to f- manage your finances and, and, pay people and most importantly pay the government like they want their tax money too um because all of that's going to come back and hurt you in the long run and then again 
like on one of our previous conversations, like because that hurts you, that hurts the community and the people you're serving. Yeah. And we have to know and maybe not trying to run a million miles an hour, but slow down and recognize like, all right, like I could do this, but I need, I need these people with me and I need these kind of people. I need people who, you know, who are motivational speakers because we, we do motivational work. So you, you need to get those people. If you're, that's not you get them. Like if, if you're not the finance and, and numbers guy, get that. If you don't think logistically get that. And, if you don't know who you are, like take a personal assessment. There's a bunch of them out there. Um, my two favorites are the disc assessment, um, which you can see also is like an animal assessment and also the flight assessment, or you could even do five voices. Um, and they talk about your different voices and where you excel and where you don't excel. And by knowing yourself, you know those that you need around you. And I think but for us, realizing that mistake that we had of, hiring friends and not knowing our worth, it forced us to know ourselves and know what we need, know what we need assistance. Like when you're hiring an assistant to work with you, what what do you need that assistant to do? Like for me, I hate writing. I hate gra like grammar. It's not my thing. Like English is my least favorite subject and I speak the language. So I need people around me that could help me with that. Yeah. Another, another um, mistake we made was keeping employees in positions that didn't fit their skill set too mm. long. And you kind of hinted to to that in regard to the um, assessments that <laughs> we should have been utilizing a long time ago. Also, you know, having staff members wearing too many hats where there's like not a yeah. single focus. You know, we you want to move in such a way that, you know, when you're making these executive decisions as to when to hire who to hire, um, how to hire, <laughs> yeah. that you're hiring with that single focus in mind. Don't, if I could caution any, you know, growing nonprofits, don't hire folks with a two-prong approach, you know, mm -hmm. like hire them to just go deep rather than wide across the organization. And then, um, you know, with that, that kind of connects to this issue of, and we made this mistake, is not intentionally building the culture enough. Mm -hmm. of the organization now i think uh, i'll toot our horn you know we do that pretty well now mm -hmm. we're like really good which is why you know all very humbly i say we we just received the great place to work uh, award and that's a big deal you know that means that like 70 some percent of our staff had to yeah right now 87 percent of our staff say we're, we're a great place to work so that's awesome to see yeah um, that, that's a lot of hard work but it goes with like the culture you know there was this season actually there were a couple seasons where there were just a couple of staff members that oh my gosh just culture killers you know and it was so hard and it was like walking on eggshells 24 7 and you know you got to be a strong enough leader to to really do that well and fight for the values and the culture of the organization and i think that kind of goes with like having like review periods with your staff. I know for a while we just, we were so focused on the work that we lost focus on our staff and, and to, to have those hard conversations of, Hey man, or like, you're struggling here. I need you to step up your game. Like this, like I, I need you to be better. And if there's no paper trail, no instances of having conversations, write-ups, um, like you're, you're going to be stuck in that, the habitual cycle and you need to get out of it. By doing these assessments, 
Yeah. Or not just assessments, but re peer reviews or reviews with people. Yeah. And then I think another one with that is training. A, a mistake we made is not providing enough training. Now, man, we, we even, we, we have a full-time training specialist. Um, she's amazing. Shout out to Dana Garrett. You know, as people on board in the particular um, department, she has training pathways for these folks and, and make sure that they've been equipped for the work. But previously, oh my gosh, we were getting, you know, headache after headache, just wondering why, like, why can't you do the job, you know? And I think that comes with us too. Like we had this expectation, like false. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, why can't you do what I do? And it's like, well, hold on, Paul. Like there, there's only one Paul who act, right? You can't have multiple use like you, and you don't want that. Um, and so we, we have to take the time. Um, I, I think that's the hard part too. We want people to come on and just start running, but we know now that when to grow, when people are starting and learning, you have to slow down. You might need to take four steps back to lift them up. So now you could run the race farther and keep pushing and striving for excellence. Yeah, that's good stuff, Paul. Good. Yeah. A couple more things and then we'll kind of land the plane here for us. But um, one thing that I think nonprofits make mistakes is they just write boo-boo mission statements. <laughs> you know, they don't really make sense. There's a lot of, you know, too much language. It's confusing. Um, we did that. You know, we've, yeah. since we've been in existence, we've probably had five mission statements. There is a fluidity attached to mission development for sure. So don't misconstrue what I'm saying, but like, you know, not really getting a full grasp on what you're actually wanting to do or who you are and then letting that be on display through your statement well you know. I, I think with that too it helps because if you don't know and you don't have a strong mission statement it's easy to mission drift that that happened to us where it's like oh well hold on like guys what are we doing like is this really our mission is this what we really want to do and pursue and because we didn't have a great mission statement at times like we tried to do it all this other stuff and it we put on like we try to take off multiple hats but then when it happened we put on more hats and we we're being pulled in eight different directions yeah and it just it was a struggle i will say though we only did that for a short period of time <laughs> yeah I, yeah but i mean but that was a mistake and you know what i think what's dope about our team is like we learn fast you know, we, we realized fast, like, nah, 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 this is taking us in the wrong direction here. So mm -hmm. I just want to share um, our mission statement with the listeners. This is hot off the press. Um, you know, we just got through a strategic week where we felt like ours was too long, too confusing. We had to define too many terms for folks. So, yeah. you know, now it's we mentor at promise students or at promise youth to be better students, better people and better leaders. And it's so simple. And the only term, you know, that we need to Define. school, yeah, our community up on is at promise, which it simply replaces at risk. It moves away from a deficit mindset and moves towards an asset base yeah. and affirmative, you know, mindset. So, yeah, and, and it's so true. And, and just knowing, knowing that information. And, and I think what we just mentioned is like we did a strategic week, like we, we took time intentionally away from work so that we could come back stronger for work. We spent two days, uh, one really long day, just grinding and 
having conversations about mission statements, what we're trying to do, areas of growth, like, and being our biggest critics, like, dang, Paul, like, in this area, we're, we're boo-boo. We need to fix this. We need, we need to become better here. And it's it's okay to have those conversations, and it's healthy, and it's needed, because if you're not able to assess yourself, you assess your team, you'll just be, you know, driving a ship blinded, you know, without a compass, not knowing which direction to go in, and just being carried away by the wind, which allows the mission drifting, which allows you to not know your worth, which allows you to wear multiple hats. And I think by us having these conversations, reading books, and, and helping us have better meetings, and knowing that we're we're not perfect, we need to become better, um, it, it definitely helped. Like I knew one area that we were struggling is like I hated meetings with a passion. And we, I read this book called Death by Meetings, and I shared it with Eric, and it just transformed how we wanted to do meetings and how we're perceiving things, and you know, making sure we're intentionally setting time aside so that we don't miscommunicate what we're trying to do. Yeah, no, that's good, bro. I, last thing I put here, and you know, I think um, this is this actually is a huge um, takeaway for the listeners. Like, I, I honestly think this impacts almost everything that we've been talking about. We should have mentioned it first, but the mistake we've made in the past, and a lot of nonprofits make, is they don't build their board really mm-hmm. well, and that is the core of you know your governance and and your your collaborations and partnerships and you know amazing people that are going to get behind the mission fight for the mission you know support you right now we have a board of about 17 members and um it's a vibrant board very you know involved board Uh, i just got off of a call where one of our board members shout out to Cheryl watson she's literally providing um management training to all of our coordinators and supervisors and it's high quality man we got the best of the best you know shout out to sarah for that and then you know we have uh, peter hidalgo a a mount sac trustee a spectrum um government uh, affairs you know um, employee or director you know he just has upped our game in regards to our staff report and how to have governance here how to conduct board meetings board packets you know, and we have uh, rotating seats with students where students can come in and out and always have a, a space there. And, and we have a parent and, you know, we have a strong board that really supports our initiatives and also says no when they need to and questions us when they need to. We have this one board member, Natalie Delgado. Now nah, she's she's one of our best because she asks all the hard questions. And she makes, she says no until we answer those questions. And we need that. We need people like that around us. Natalie, don't take that as a keep saying no if you're hearing this, right? So. <laughs> yeah, and like, because, and you said that and it reminded me, it's like a lot of times nonprofits specifically, we don't know what documents and things to complete. Like, what is a DUNS number? What is your SAM? What is your cage code? Like, all these things are so important for growth and receiving loans receiving contracts on a state and a federal level um and because like that's where the idea of expansion and growth is and if we're not there um we're failing we're, we're not providing the excellence um and and creating these you know these documents in-house like what is a code of ethics 
um, you know, making sure we have a non-bribery clause so that we make sure that we're on the up and up and making sure we're providing what we need to provide for the community. Um, and so, yeah, if you have any questions about what you need to be looking to and helping in, like, feel free to reach out. That's what we're here. We're not saying we know all the answers, but we don't want you to go through the struggles and the mistakes that we went through um, because they were, were some tough times. You know, we had, it's like, dude, I won't have enough money to pay the bills this month. You know, we had to rely on some amazing donors and some work so that we, we don't have to stress and worry anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I do want to share, it's not a plug per se, but, you know, one of the things Paul and I are, are really good at is nonprofit consultation. And we do offer that to partners. Mm-hmm. So if you're a nonprofit leader, you know, at a, at a considerable, like nothing major, you know, big cost. We do offer that to to friends that are out in in the nonprofit sector, and uh, we'll meet with you and your team, and we'll help do an org assessment and kind of coach you and provide a report to you for recommendations of improvement. Um, and that that has proven to be very helpful to many of our partners. Um, and again, it's at low cost. We, we really want to help the underdog get to where they need to be and not let budget you know, get in the way per se. But that's something that Paul and I are passionate about because we come out of lived experience from those, those pains. So hit us up, man. And I do want to kind of compliment that with if money's an issue, we never let money get in the way, but also we know our worth, (laughs) right? To kind of go with what we're saying. Yeah, exactly. We're we're not going to always be, Hey, you want to free this? You want to free that? Because then your full day gets locked down with that and nothing at the org gets done. So, you know, there's a balance there, but we are also you know, we, we don't want budget to get in the way. So we'll work with you all. Um, but we love you guys, man. Thank you for listening and following. Yeah. And, and that concludes our combo for today. All right. Yeah. We'll see you guys next month. Thank you so much for checking into life in the urban city podcast. See you next month.